I love those people. I'm just amazed every single week by the chance to be in worship in a place like this with a people like this, being led by servants like that. And I hope that today, already, you have felt the Lord speaking to you and encouraging you, wherever you may be on the journey of faith. Um, I want to say hello to those of you joining us on live stream today, as well as those here in the house Uh, We are in part three of a series that we've called Messy, which is all about the challenge of loving like Jesus, not just love in the common way, but in the remarkable, life-transforming way that Jesus loves people. And uh, today I want to talk with you from the Gospel according to Luke chapter 10 about what it means to love what I'm calling the different doer. A different doer. I, I don't know how easy you find it to love people that do things differently from you. I will say that one of the, the, the challenges in my 35-year marriage almost always comes up at the time we're about to entertain people, and I'm doing my checklist of things that seems to vex Amy, and she's doing this checklist of things that has a different set of priorities than make a sense to me. And, it's, and because I, I want to have a 36-year marriage, I'm not going to go into detail about this, <laughs> but I will just say that, you know, it creates a little bit of tension, and we've had to sort of learn to work with each other's differing sense of priorities. I don't know if you can relate to any of that. I don't know whether you've seen that in your home, in your workplace, in in the social circles that you have, that there are just people that at certain moments feel bound to go and do something that you would not actually feel bound to do, and and they don't seem to appreciate what it is that you're bringing uh, to the party in that particular moment. Well, there is a story in Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, that's kind of like this that talks about this challenge of loving people that are doing things differently. And I want to invite you to listen to God's word with me as it comes from Luke chapter 10 at verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village. We know actually it's the village of Bethany, just over the brow of the hill before you get to Jerusalem. A village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. You kind of get the sense there's an urgency, maybe even a compulsivity to Martha here. She just, but she's on it. She is on it, and she is making preparations. And Martha comes to Jesus and asks, Lord, Don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. You know, tell her to help me. Now, now you you can see the different doers that we have in this scene, can't you? Uh, On the one hand, you have um, Martha, who who sees that, that there's a dinner party in motion here, and, and she thinks that the very obvious priority is laboring right now. Hey, Mary, don't just sit there. Come on. We've, Jesus is here. We've we, we got to get the meal ready. We've got the table set. We've got stuff to do. Don't just sit around. And then you have 
Mary, who has got a very different sense of what needs to be done in this moment, and she is convinced that the number one priority is listening. Come on, Martha, she said. This is Jesus with us. I mean, we have a chance to really be present to and communicate with Jesus. You put that stuff down. Let's just, just be here. See this incredible tension between these two ways of doing life in that particular moment. So the question, I guess, is which form of doing matters most? Is it laboring or listening? Is it being prepared or is it being present? Is it working or is it waiting? Which of these things really matters to God? Well, the answer is both. Both of these things in the great economy of the way God works are immensely important. To be active and to be receptive are both, both important rhythms of the spiritual life. And, and, and chances are there is one of those rhythms that comes more naturally to you. Uh, you may just find yourself excelling at the activity part, or, or maybe you're really a pro at the receptivity part, and, and other people are doing the opposite of what you're doing, and you sometimes find that very frustrating. Uh, one of these uh, behaviors may be something that is, um, is for, for all intents and purposes, in a given moment, the obvious thing to be do doing, and you're frustrated by the person that isn't following the obvious course of action, and they're equally frustrated by you. A lot of the frictions and the conflicts that we have in our life, I'm pretty convinced, stem from this very different way uh, each of us and others may see life and see the circumstances of the moment and the needs of the moment. And I can see it across our politics today. I can see it in so many family relationships. I run into it in the life of the church very often. We struggle with the different doer. We struggle to understand and appreciate what is motivating them because it's so obvious to us that this needs doing. Which is one of the reasons why I would suggest that if you, if you would like to experience a greater level of harmony or advance a greater level of harmony in relationships in any circle that you're frequenting, that it, that it really helps to ask the question, why? Why are you doing what you're doing? Tell me more about why, why does that feel like really urgent or why is that important or why do we as a country need that now? Tell me more about that so I can understand it. And, and can I tell you why I am doing what I'm doing so you'll understand me better, what I, the things that I'm seeing? God must love differences because he has made a world of vibrant variety. Uh, it's a world of, of where, where there are so many people who each bring something to the puzzle so many members of the body of Christ, as St. Paul says in his writings, and each one is critical to the whole. And if we are to be people that, that advance the best purposes in our world today, I think we have got to become better and better at appreciating 
the different doer. I, um, I would want to underline that there are some contexts, at least in light of this particular story, in which one behavior might matter a bit more. And so I want to invite you to notice what Jesus says next during this conflict that's going on between the two sisters in that Bethany home. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. I see that you're concerned about many things. But, but right now, few things are needed. Few things are needed. They're possible, they just may not be needed. Indeed, only one. Only one thing is needed right now. In other words, if you could see, I think this is what Jesus is getting at, if you could see how limited your time actually is with me, and Jesus sees the cross looming before him. He's going up to Jerusalem. He knows what lies ahead of him. If you could see how precious this time we have is, that, that I think you would make the choice in this moment to do as Mary is doing. Mary has chosen what is better, he says, and it will not be taken away from her. And I've taken that to mean for myself, and maybe this is valuable to you too, that, that in your relationship with God, if you have to prioritize working for God or waiting upon God, laboring for him or listening to him, put listening first. Because it will be out of that intimacy that you have with God that you will more clearly see what you are to do in the season to come. And it will be out of that communion with God, with Jesus, that you're going to find the power to truly do the thing that needs to be done. I hope that's helpful to you. Uh, I, I have valued this lesson um, personally over this past year in a way that I want to describe to you. Because Amy and I have been doing a lot of trying to listen to Jesus to figure out an answer to a question that we have been pondering. And the question we've been pondering is, when are we done here? When is it time for us to let go of this season and move into the next season of our life and our ministry. And as we've sought to listen to Jesus over the last year, a picture has started to become very clear to us. And so, with great apologies to the visitors that walked in today, thinking you were just going to have a normal Sunday message, I'm going to shift gears here and let you in on our own personal journey a little bit. And let me just say, come back next week, because I'm going to preach a really normal message next week at all of our services. But this one's taking a little bit of a turn. Because what we feel God is saying to us is that in January 2025, I'm going to pass the baton to the next leader, the next lead pastor, Somebody was going to help guide and shepherd our church, this amazing congregation, into its next marvelous season of ministry, mission, influence in so many ways. And, and as um, 
bittersweet and difficult as it is to say that to you, I just so trust God that he is in this. And because he's in this, I just know that all will be well and that ultimately this uh, will be very good. So he says in his word, there's a time for, for every purpose under heaven. And by next January 2025, uh, we will have finished our LIFT initiative together. I will have been here 30 or 28 years at that point. I will be on the cusp of my 66th birthday. And it really feels like this is the time. This is the moment where, where the next purpose under heaven needs to start to unfold. And I want to tell you the backstory to this decision, if I may. And then after I finish with that, I'm going to bring my dear colleague, the head of our board of trustees, Tim McKenzie, to come forward and just share a little bit more with you. So we're going to forget the graphics from here on out. I'm just going to uh, reposition some chairs here for us. And, um, and with your permission, I want to tell you a little bit about how God has been stirring over uh, the last uh, year in my own heart and in Amy's as we've tried to, to listen. So, I always planned to retire once someday, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I knew that would happen. In fact, one of the first conversations that we had with the Board of Trustees in 1996, when at age, I think, then 37, I was just entering into conversation with this church, one of the first conversations was, how long do you think you'll stay, they said. Our last pastor stayed 32 years. Um, our founder did. And I said, well, I'm going to stay a really long time because uh, we're in the process of leaving a church. It's too heartbreaking to leave. We believe in long-term relationships. We're going to stay a really long time. We're going to baptize babies, and then we're going to marry those babies, and then we're going to baptize the babies of the people we married. I mean, it's going to be a great journey here. That's what we were envisioning in that particular moment. I think there's so much value, and this is a, a takeaway point for you and for all of us, there's so much value in long-term relationships. Um, you know, I think it was Harry Chapin, this, the folk songwriter, who once said that, that uh, uh, old friends are so valuable because they know who you are because they, they can see who you've been. And, and to journey together, whether it's in a marriage or in the life of a church, a really long time is just one of the great gifts of life uh, and, 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 and one of the benefits of it is that it, it, whether it's in a marriage or in a workplace or in a church, if, if you stay a really long time, your mistakes, your character weaknesses, your cluelessness will catch up with you. You know, it will be found out. You will experience the negative consequences of that. But then there becomes this incredible opportunity in the crucible of that discovery to change and to become wiser and to become wholer uh, inside. And so one of the great gifts of being here all these years has been a chance to grow up, you know, to grow up in our marriage, to grow up in our, uh, our parenting, to grow up in our character, our relationship with all of you. So we said right at the start, we're going to say a long time, and I will not overstay. I will not overstay. I knew even then that, that research says that, that typically churches tend to cluster demographically 10, so, 10 years either side of the age of the lead pastor. And I said, there's going to come a day when, when nothing wrong with my demographic, but the church will need to, 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 to stay, to keep resurging. And it's going to be really important that there be somebody 
else uh, in, in the mix. So I'll stay a long time, but not too long. Not surprisingly, um, there have been conversations over the years between the Board of Trustees and, and, and me about you know, how that's going, what that timing looks like. In May of 2022, we were doing a board retreat and, I, um, and we talked about succession. The board said, let's talk about the future. And we, we broke down all the pieces that would have to be part of a really good succession process and all the drop-down decision menus under each of those major components. And, and they asked me at that time, Do you, are, are, can we count on you to be here through this next big stewardship and discipleship and missional push we're going to mount in the next few years, what became the Lift Initiative? And I said, sign me up. I am, I'm all in for that. I will definitely do that. Uh, I've got another round in me. But after that, we're going to need to talk seriously about, about what, what comes next. And, uh, and then in 2023, we went away on the same board retreat, and the conversation came up again, and I said, 2025 is the time I'm going to go. I was thinking Thanksgiving, 2025. Why did I think that? Why, why was I so clear, uh, and Amy as well, that, that, that 2025 was the time? Well, for both professional and for personal reasons. On the professional side, I had, I had read a book last spring that was like this major aha moment for me. And I've been recommending books over the last couple of months, so it's hard to keep them straight. But I want to recommend to you a book by Arthur Brooks, I, I mentioned David Brooks and How to Know a Person a few weeks ago. Arthur Brooks is the teacher of the most popular course at Harvard University right now. It's called The Science of Happiness. And Arthur Brooks is a, is a, a follower of Jesus Christ. And, and Brooks has written a book called From Strength to Strength, From Strength to Strength, that I highly commend to you. And one of the things that Brooks, or the big idea that Brooks are, uh, argues for in the book is that each of us has got these two arcs in our life. The first arc is the arc of what he calls our fluid intelligence. And, and fluid intelligence is the period of time where everything is firing in our brains and in our bodies, and we are capable of almost supernatural kind of innovation, initiation, activation. I mean, this is the time when we're building families, we're building institutions, we're building businesses, we're building churches, and it takes every bit of that energy and that capacity to actually do what's required in that season of life. It's an incredibly exciting adrenaline rush period of life. And then there's a second curve, he says, and it actually overlaps the first curve. And this curve is called the, the curve of our uh, crystallized intelligence, or what we might call wisdom. It's the season where we, we are unusually able to mentor people, uh, to, you know, to write, to reflect, to do complex problem solving. Um, it's, a, it's an equally wonderful season of life. And Brooks argues that as he has studied, and he's a, you know, a serious scholar, as he has studied uh, people and individuals and groups over time, that the biggest mistake that people make is that they stay on the first curve too long when they should be jumping to the second curve purposely. 
And he says the reason why it's too long is because you're, there comes a point where you're over that curve and you're, and you're no longer the super energetic activator and initiator that that circle you were, that you're serving and actually needs. And you're taking up real estate. You're blocking the path from the next really innovative key leader that is required in that setting. And the second reason he says that you shouldn't stay too long there is because there's so much blessing and goodness in the other curve. And the world needs that too. And like I'm reading this book and I'm going, oh my gosh, God, you're, you're talking to me here. You're, I know this is where I am right now. I get it. I get it. I, I'll tell you, I've subsequently met Arthur Brooks, and he said that, he, that leaders almost always stay at least three years too long on the first curve. And, and so, man, I felt shaken by that. And so that was a big part of what made me think, 2025, that's going to be a good time. But it was also a good time because, you know, no leader wants to, to leave the shop when it's in decline, the very best time for any uh, for a leadership transition is when the, the community is on the rise, not when it's over the hill and you, the next person has to pull it out of a nosedive. And, and I hope you're sensing we are on the rise as a church right now. I mean, wow. You know, all of these families of multiple generations filling this place. The, 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 we're in the process of renovating our children and youth facilities from, from nursery up through high school. We've got uh, wonderful new initiatives moving forward in the mission area of our church's life. We've got a disability ministry. We're restarting the preschool ministry. Man, by January 2025, we are going to be humming. I mean, we are going to be flying as a church. We've got an amazing staff. The people I get to work with every single day, who are the people that actually are responsible alongside of our key lay leaders with this place being what it is. Believe me, it's not me. It's this incredible team. They're, they're all engaged here. And so I thought, wow, professionally speaking, that first curve thing, the health of the church, this is the time. But there were personal reasons too. My wife, Amy, retired in May uh, from her job and started to develop passions for things that I had to sort of jealously watch. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and I have shared with you from this place that my family, my siblings are going through all kinds of health challenges, several of them serious life-threatening illnesses right now, and they're all younger than I am. And I'm thinking to myself, I just, I, I'm dreading the conversation. When I, when I realize I've got this pain in my side and I go to the doctor and the doctor tells me it's this, and I have to turn to my wife and say, honey, I'm so sorry that we never had that life beyond work. I'm so sorry. I would say to my kids that I didn't have that time in the next season with you. So that's something of why I just felt, and Amy with me, that in 2025, it would be okay. And maybe not just okay, good. Good for the church, good for us to pass the baton to the next leader of Christ Church, the one God has already been preparing for this moment. So 
we started thinking within our family about, okay, what, 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 is, what does next look like for us? And you may not be interested in this part, but I'm gonna be real quick about it. We had to, we had to think about that, and, and we had a couple of ideas. So first thing we, we, we felt was we would like to stay uh, in our house, uh, in our current house uh, in, in Hinsdale. Um, we, would, we love our neighbors. Uh, we love our network of, of friends in the community. We love Christ Church. We love the thought of having Christ Church be our forever church family. Uh, we would like to stay here. Our boys live not too far from here, uh, at least two out of the three do. <laughs> Uh, their direct routes from O'Hare to the other uh, son. Uh, that was exciting to us. We also felt like we would be okay with living someplace sunnier and warmer <laughs> during the colder months. You know, hashtag we came from San Diego. Um, you know, it, we would be okay with that. That would be fun. Um, we thought to ourselves, we, uh, we want to make sure that we don't suffer from from purpose sickness in the next season. Um, I, I, you know what I mean by purpose sickness? Uh, I had had this epiphany experience last spring also, uh, next to the Brooks book, it's probably the other thing that's most luminous in my head. I'm, I'm coming back from a, a, a board meeting of Fuller Theological Seminary, which I'm a part of in California, and I'm racing through O'Hare, hair on fire, I've got so many things to do when I get back here because the, the week is going on. And I, and I get to that point, you've all been there, right at the top of the escalator that goes down to baggage claim. Have you ever noticed the sign there? I should have pulled this one up as a graphic. It basically says, point of no return. <laughs> so I noticed this for the first time, really notice it. And I step back and then I, I look down the escalator and it's like there's not too many people on the escalator and it's really quiet down there. I mean, and the ceiling's low and it's kind of dark. There's not much energy down there. And I step back from the threshold. I literally step back. I turn around. I walk back into the airport. The airport is brimming with life. I mean, all the generations, the color, the races, the, 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 the flags, the high ceiling. Just It's the stuff of vibrance. It is the stuff of life. And I think to myself, oh, I love this stuff. And I'm so tired. And my life's gotten too packed. Because there's this weird thing that happens to a pastor at my age. We can, we can still throw the long ball for the touchdown from the platform. But there is so much more to playing on the field of a large church in this crazy world of ours today than just preaching. We are, we are part hospital, part counseling center, part hospitality organization, part media uh, company, part theater, part, just go on down the list. It is a crazy complex thing to lead a, a, a megachurch in America today in these constantly changing, challenging times. In some ways, it's a younger person's game. And so I'm thinking, I don't want to leave I don't want to leave behind all the meaningful ministry in life, but I think I need a smaller airport. That's what I'm thinking. I think I need a smaller airport. 
And we're wrestling too at home, Amy and I, how are we going to pull off this, this kind of snowbird life we've seen other people do? Because if we stay in our house and we don't sell it, we really can't afford to buy anything in the COVID-inflated prices of the Southland. How are we going to pull that off? And we just, you know, we just were in, last spring, we were just in the questioning phase. And if you're not there, uh, someday you will be in this place. Not too soon. Keep enjoying the airport. Um, and then one evening, I'm sitting at home, and I'm in the family room, and the phone rings, and I, I see a name I haven't seen for a long time on my phone. It's a guy named Dave Worth. And Dave is an old covenant group friend of mine from California, a very seasoned senior pastor, now in his 80s. Uh, and after we exchanged some initial ple- pleasantries, Dave says to me, you must be getting pretty close to 65. I said, actually, yeah, I'm going to be 65 in February of, of 2024 and just next year. And he says, you know, I am aware of a unicorn situation that I think has your name on it. Can I tell you about it? Can I put your name in for it? And I said, yeah, tell me. So Dave goes on to describe this... Um, seasonal chaplaincy role in a little community at the tip of Key Largo in South Florida. <laughs> and uh, he says it's a, it's a November to May thing in the main. Um, you'd be able to stay right where you are if you wanted to. And they provide housing for the chaplain. So, so it's an amazing situation because um, there's this chapel there, he says, that has four different religious congregations who share it. They're, they're, they are um, Protestant, Catholic, Episcopalian, and Jewish. And each of them has their own clergy um, that come in from outside the community, but the Protestants, which are the largest group, um, they, they actually have housing right on, on premises for their chaplain. Um, and uh, and, and it's, a, it's a wonderful community of very thoughtful people, and I think you'd be a really good match for them. And you'd have margin. You'd do, you'd do some preaching. You'd, you'd do some teaching. Um, you'd do some pastoral care, but at a whole different level. I think you might have one employee, he said. Um, you know, are you interested so I said, yeah, I'd like to know more about that. Because it, like, it, it, ad- it addresses a bunch of the things that we didn't really know how to address. Um, it's a smaller airport, you know, in a sense. So um, we went down there late last spring. And we, we, we thought the people were just so gracious. Um, and, and the place was, of course, beautiful and... The ministry seemed intriguing, um, and yet there were, there were st- stoppers <laughs> that made it a no-go. Um, they wanted us to be here now, to be there now. They wanted us for Easter 2024. Uh, they, they have a residence that is um, very, very small, make it very difficult to have family visiting us, and we're big on family in the next season of life. 
Um, and there were a couple of other uh, considerations. So we just said, gosh, we must not be the right ones. And uh, thank you so much for this fun weekend, but we, we're going to pray for you and trust that God has somebody wonderful for you. So we let it go. We came back and we got back into the flow of things here. And then in September, the phone rang again. And it was the chairman of the committee, search committee down there. And he said, we're going to meet every single one of your requirements. We, we want you guys to come. If you could come to us in February of 2025, we can make this work. Would you come and, and preach? We, that's, that's the last hurdle here. We need to have you preach, see if you can actually do that. Um, <laughs> and uh, I don't think he was saying it quite like that. But he wanted to see how I related to the community. So when they opened up in November, I went down there. Amy and I went down on a weekend, and I preached on suffering. I thought, that'll scare them away. Um, and at the end of that day, um, they issued a formal invitation to us to come as the chaplain in residence uh, for the Ocean Reef community in Key Largo. Um, I came back um, actually in September when, when they first made, they, they said they were serious and would work with us. I, I brought in Tim McKenzie, our uh, vice chair of our board of trustees, and I said, Tim, this is a scenario that could get real. Um, and he, too, encouraged uh, us to keep pursuing that. And when I came back in November, uh, after the formal invitation was extended, I pulled in the board of trustees, and soon thereafter, our senior leadership team. And I want to give a lot of credit to those people who have carried the burden of this for these last months, uh, who have been thought partners with me for these last months, and as you're going to learn in just a minute, have been doing a, a whole heck of a lot of work to um, think about what the, the thoughtful next steps need to be for our church in this really exciting and somewhat frightening season of our life together. And so to tell you a little bit more about that, I'm going to ask Tim to come on forward and, uh, and share from his heart with all of you. And then I will come back after Tim has spoken, uh, wrap up with just a couple of final thoughts, and uh, we'll soon be on our way to the remainder of our day. And I will just say again, to the, the visitors here today, come back next week. It's going to be a normal Sunday. I got a great message for you, the next installment in our messy series. Uh, Tim, thanks for hanging out with us today. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good morning. Um, as I was walking up here, my wife leaned over and said, tough act to follow. Good luck. <laughs> so um, bear with me. Tell them what she first She first suggested for me to walk up and say, wow, Dan, why didn't you tell me first? <laughs> but we decided that was inappropriate, but I guess, I guess it's out there now. Um, no, uh, the accuracy of the timing is correct, um, Dan has shared with, and, um, but I would like to, I'd like to share more about the transition process from the perspective of the trustees, but before I do that, I just wanted to acknowledge this moment right now and the weight that many of you might be feeling. Um, I know that if it was possible for Dan to have this conversation personally with every one of you, that's exactly what he would do. There's no doubt that he truly loves the people of Christ Church, which is why this is such an emotional day for him and for us. 
As a trustee for the last eight years, I've always been aware of the eventual reality that one day we would need to put in place a succession process to transition from Dan to the next lead pastor. However, there's a difference, a big difference, between knowing something will one day happen to realizing it's now a reality. And there is a time frame in place for it to happen, and that's where we are now. In the past, our trustee discussions about the need to plan for a lead pastor succession were thoughtful, but theoretical. However, things changed last May when Dan shared with the trustees that he felt it was nearing the right time after the completion of the Lyft initiative for him to step aside and make way for a new lead pastor to take Christ Church into this next season of growth and flourishing. Hearing Dan say that he felt the Lord calling him to make this transition in early 2025 left me a bit shaken. His news brought on a combination of sadness, uncertainty, and responsibility. It was no longer just a conceptual governance exercise. This was actually going to happen. In that moment, I really felt the heaviness of the change to come. I've been processing all of this for almost 10 months now. That time has allowed me to begin to focus on the next season, the next season for Dan and for Amy, the next season for Christ Church, and the next season for all of us. I understand that for many of you, it will be both necessary and important to first mourn over this news. That is completely understandable and speaks volumes for how much Dan's leadership of this church has meant to us. Dan's impact on the life of this church and on my own life has been immeasurable, as it has been for many of you. However, in the weeks and months ahead, I, as well as Dan, will be inviting you to begin to focus on all that God is going to do in this next exciting season of our life together as a church community. God has a plan, and we are blessed to be part of that plan. God's plan for this church is so much greater than any single individual. We need to understand, not only in our head, but in our heart, that God is in this with us and he is in control. 27 years ago, this church relied on that truth when our founding pastor, Dr. Arthur DeCryder, decided it was his time to step aside for the next leader of Christ Church. The first chapter was ending, and it was time for the next chapter to begin. Dan Meyer has led this church both faithfully and well through this second chapter. And now we need to focus on doing our part to bring Christ Church to the third chapter of our story. I have great confidence in the providence of the God who raised up the last two pastors, and even more importantly, the people who are Christ Church. The Christ Church Constitution, our governing document, has established the trustee board to be responsible for the succession process in bringing forth a lead pastor candidate for our membership's consideration and approval. Let me assure you that we are fully engaged and focused on this responsibility. The trustees have a purposeful and comprehensive plan moving forward. We have been immersed in a thoughtful, deliberate, and prayerful process that has included engaging a core working team, a prayer team, and outside experts to assist us. Over the last six months, a group of your fellow members, consisting of some trustees and other experienced leaders in the church, have been meeting with a consultant to craft a leadership profile that will help us identify our next lead pastor. This search team has recently completed a round of extensive interviews and has hired a nationally recognized executive search firm that specializes in senior pastor placements for churches of our size and scope. 
I would be remiss if I didn't highlight the amazing level of attention and contribution Dan has made to this effort. He has served and loved this church well over the past 27 years and the manner in which he has worked closely with the trustee board to prepare for a successful transition reflects the character and the selfless dedication of the pastor we all know so well. He is unquestionably all in on ensuring a smooth transition and a path to even greater things for our church in the next season. The congregation also plays an important role in this season. Your prayers during this time are invaluable. There will also be an opportunity for you to be part of this process. The trustees and search committee will convene a series of focus groups to gain input and insight on the candidate profile and the needs of Christ Church prospectively. Our goal is to have our next lead pastor in place this year in order to have an overlap period with Dan until the end of January 2025 when he will step down as lead pastor of Christ Church. In addition, the trustees have asked and Dan has agreed to serve in a consulting role as lead pastor emeritus beginning next February through December 2025. Our primary objective is to position Christ Church for a thoughtful leadership succession while providing stability for both our staff and the congregation. While Dan's responsibilities in this role will be flexible, we anticipate that he will serve as an advisor, consultant, historian, mentor, and advocate for the next lead pastor. Over the next year, Dan will continue to remain focused on the work he has done for the past 27 years, preaching, teaching, mentoring our terrific staff, leading our trustee and elder boards, and exercising the gracious pastoral care he has always shown for this congregation. Later this year, we will provide ample opportunities for the congregation to celebrate this past season with Dan prior to the January 2025 transition. I encourage you to access the Lead Pastor Transition page, which will be posted on our website this afternoon. This, this page will provide a congregational letter from Dan, helpful FAQs on the process, information on the search team, and much more. On behalf of the trustee board, I promise to keep you posted on a regular basis as we move forward on this journey. In addition, please try to attend our annual meeting, which will be held on the evening of March 12th, a week from this coming Tuesday. Church members can register via our website, the Christ Church Connect app, or a link in the Sunday news email you received this morning. The annual meeting will be an opportunity for you to hear from church leadership more on this topic and on the health of our ministry and mission, as well as providing a time for Q&A. Finally, I ask you to join me in three things. Acknowledge that change can be challenging. Don't run from it. As a people of faith and with God's guidance and assurance, we will navigate this together. Secondly, accept the reality and the opportunity for a new chapter in this amazing story of Christ Church. Just watch what great things God can do. And finally, commit to joining me in being a prayer partner and a positive advocate in this journey. Pray that we will follow God's direction, boldly asking him to bless our church through the remainder of Dan's leadership in many years to come. God has called us to be a church that goes into all the world with the message and hope of his redeeming love. While at this time we may grieve this change and feel its heaviness, I pray that together we would each experience the peace and knowledge that God has a plan 
to lead Christ Church into a new season of flourishing and impact in our community and throughout the world. Thank you. When uh, Amy and I first uh, came here in, in the summer of 1996 to visit Christ Church, one of the things that really, really impressed us was the quality of the Board of Trustees. How deeply thoughtful, how committed to Jesus, how um, seasoned and talented they were. Um, and it was a major part of, the, of what made us feel like, wow, the chance to work alongside of those people uh, if there are congregations like that, boy, that would be a wonderful place to work. You have the same level of quality in your board today. You have, and you've gotten a little taste of it together to and Tim, but they are just such incredibly prayerful, thoughtful, talented people. And the church is in very, very good hands on the governance side of things in these days uh, to come. I want to invite you also to, 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 to be in prayer for the board of trustees, for the uh, for the search committee, for the process that is going to be unfolding over these next months, uh, for that person who God knows the name of already, um, and that person's family. Uh, and, and remember to pray for Amy and, and me. This is, we've never done this before. This is, this is, this is hard. Um, so, um, you know, people will say, gosh, you must be so excited about the thought of being in Key Largo. I am, I am. But I'm the guy, the guy that packs at one in the morning before the vacation. I will be so consumed with our church and, and, and doing things well all the way to the next person takes the baton. Um, uh, but, do, but do be praying for that overall process. Secondly, I just want to ask you, please keep supporting the church as you're doing. Uh, your time, your talent, your treasures, they matter. There's not some secret cabal of people out there that are holding the church up. It's you. You're, you're the ones that do this. And the, and the worst possible thing that could happen for the next season, for the next pastor, is they come in and a whole bunch of people says, I don't really need to give to Christ, any, Christ Church anymore. This is a good time for me to go shopping at some other church. Please don't do that. Please value what God has done here and and support this ministry so the next leader has a stable platform uh, from which to, 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 to grow and to, and to build. And then the third prayer I have is, or ask of you is, go easy on that person when they come. <laughs> I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say a lot more about this in the fall because I've got some parting thoughts to share with the congregation, but um, we would never have made it here, Amy and I, and our family had there not been people who, when we did dumb things, stood up at, to, to the people that were coming at us with pitchforks and torches and said, give the kid some time. He's going to make some mistakes. He'll learn it. He'll learn it. We trust God's choice here. Uh, be those people for the next pastor and, and the pastor's family, okay? And if you want a long-term leader, you're going to have to, to, to commit yourself to someone who's got a growth curve ahead of them. And, uh, and they will. God will be in this choice. We will find another wonderful pastor for the next season. Uh, but decide today that, I, that I'm going to be one of the people that really tries to help make this transition successful. And then finally, please don't hurry us out the door. <laughs> you know, that's, we, that's a tendency sometimes in transitions. You think, oh, we well, made the announcement, so he's done. No, not done. 
In the inimitable words of the great character from, from Monty Python and the Holy Grail, not dead yet, you know. So please. Um, We're, we're very excited about these next 11 months together and all that God will do in our midst during that time. And we, as I've said, will be totally committed to you uh, all the way through the end. And uh, we'll keep tabs on you long after that. We'll slip away for a while uh, starting in February. Uh, we want to give space to the next leader as well as obviously take up just as seriously our new mantle of responsibility in Florida. Um, but uh, we'll be back. I'm going to come sit with you in worship. Yeah, I'm going, to, I'm going to probably volunteer someplace. You'll see me doing something around the place. Uh, it's not over. Um, uh, so I'm just looking forward with joy to what the Lord has in store uh, for this church he has loved so richly over all these years. Next year it'll be 60 years as Christ Church. Uh, what a wonderful gift this time has been. Would you um, bow your heads with me and let me just close us in uh, a word of prayer and uh, we'll sing a song and be on our way. Lord, I just want to say thank you that there is not a single angel in heaven wringing their hands right now over the news of the Christ Church transition. I praise you, Jesus, that you are the great head of the church, that you are the master above any pastor that you have foreseen this moment forever, that just as you prepared Arthur and Gladys DeKreiter and then Amy and Dan Meyer to join the amazing story that is Christ Church, so you are also readying the pastor and family who will join with you and all of these other remarkable people as you, Lord, write the third chapter of Christ Church. God, I don't know if you're tired of hearing it from me, but thank you. Thank you so much for letting me and Amy and our kids play a part in the flow of your grace through this remarkable people in place. And I dare to ask you, Lord, would you please move in even more amazing ways? Would you move in a way that makes this next year even more meaningful and joyful than we even dare to imagine? And Lord, would you, would you bring forth that next wonderful season for the glory of your name, for the blessing of people, and in the name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen.